Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. I am joined today on this episode of All Things with my friend and co-laborer in the Lord, Ellen Dykus. Ellen, thank you for being with us today. Well, Jen, this is really fun to just be able to talk with you and hopefully minister to your to your listeners. That is my hope. My hope is that this will be a really edifying and encouraging and enlightening um, episode for our listeners. So Ellen, you are in full-time ministry as a writer and a speaker with Harvest USA. And for listeners who don't know about Harvest USA, it's a ministry that provides resources that address biblical sexuality for individuals and churches. So would you tell us how you ended up serving with Harvest and also why is this ministry needed? Well, you know, I remember a while back, a young college student said, so Ellen, how did God just call you into sexuality ministry? And I was kind of taken aback because this was, it's been a wild ride. Like I never would have anticipated this, but the long story short is that I, most of my background has been in missions ministry. I was overseas as a church planner. I was on staff at a local church in my hometown of St. Louis in missions But it was really through my own brokenness and my own really desperate need to find true Christ-centered biblical help that would lead to change related to just long-term broken patterns in my relationships, specifically in emotional entanglements and emotional messy dependencies with women, with friends or women I was ministering to. And I'd I'd met with counselors, I'd had Christian friends, but... All of this was helpful, but none of it was really leading to freedom and transformation until I kind of stumbled upon, I think by the Holy Spirit, resources from a biblical counseling ministry, um, the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, or CCEF, which is based here in Philadelphia, where I live now. And long story short, I was just blown away by the teaching that really gets to the heart of who we are and how patterns develop out of our own brokenness and sin. And so that brought me to Philadelphia in 2005 to study. And as I was in the course of the year that I was a student and then an intern and seeking the Lord's direction, he merged my path with Harvest USA. And it it was a great fit for me because Harvest really is committed to being a Christ-centered, biblical hopefully gracious ministry to people that are wrestling in these areas. And so I get to do teaching, discipleship, spiritual nurture, and equipping. Um, It just happens to be in this season, you know, sexuality and the havoc that comes from sexual sin. So that's how I got here. And, you know, this is, you know, you ask, why is this ministry needed? You know, in one way, simply, I would say our sexuality and our relationships is just one more area that the gospel needs to be applied to. This is a discipleship issue. And I don't know what your, what your, what your uh, experience was, Jen, but these, were, these weren't things that I was ever taught or discipled, including in my seminary experience mm-hmm. and a lot of great biblical teaching I'd had. And I just think um, it's needed because the church needs to learn how to apply the goodness and the truth of Jesus to this. Mm-hmm. And it is an area that is just un, un, um, undealt with through Christ. It is wreaking so much destruction and havoc outside mm-hmm. and inside the body of Christ. And so um, 
yeah, so it's it's sober, but it, it is a privilege to be able to especially bring um, bring Christ's hope to women, which is the the primary audience of my my ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that what you said about your experience, I can absolutely relate to. I think it's an area where our local churches tend to be afraid or shy away from, or maybe just ill-equipped. Um, I also think. My hunch is, you know, obviously I only have the experience with my own local bodies and the bodies that I've been a part of around the world, but that there is an element of shame amongst Mm. leaderships, amongst leadership as they have participated themselves in sexual sin. And so there's this feeling of like, well, I can't speak to that because I have done that, or I am currently doing that, or um, this is something I could never really shine the light of Christ on because it's so far in my past. I don't want to bring it up now. Um, anyway, I know that you have thoughts on that too, but it's something that we do need to address. And so I'm really grateful that you are on the front lines and providing excellent resources to the body and helping us as women, especially understand the heart of God for our sexuality and just walk in freedom with him. Mm. Amen. Well, let me ask you this first huge question just to kind of get us kicked off. And I know that we could probably do a million episodes and not get to the bottom of it. But from your perspective as a counselor and an expert in this field, what are the heaviest sexual burdens that women are bearing in this current cultural context? So, and I'm wondering really from both sides of this question, what are the most prevalent sexual sins that are committed against women? right now in 2022, what does that look like? Mm. But also what are the greatest temptations Mm. that women are giving into in our current cultural state? Yeah, well, that, that is a huge question and there's some many huge questions in that, but here, here's how I would kind of get us started on that is I think the burdens that women, and really this would relate to men as well, and this will definitely relate to men in light of their broken sexuality as they are the primary perpetrators of sexual violence and sin against both women and men. But I would, I would bring up three categories of desires, uh, suffering, and expectations. And here's what mm-hmm. I mean by that. You know, God's created us with desire for a goodness and intimacy, for love, to be known, to love, and to and to know and be known, to love and be loved, for deep relationships, good desires. But we suffer in so many ways. Our hearts have been broken. Our bodies have been broken. And there's pain and suffering, and we want to escape that pain. We want healing. We want relief. And we have expectations about how desires and pain is to be dealt with. We have expectations for that. And I, I continue to have to fight against that expectation, even after all these years, Jen, that, you know, yeah, there's going to be suffering, but really, you know, with Jesus' help, the Christian life really should be easy. You know, life should be easy. I can can still fall prey to that lie. Mm -hmm. So how does this relate to sexual burdens? Mm -hmm. Well, women desire to be loved. They desire to be known and validated, but they've been hurt for, for a variety of reasons. Like, other topics you've covered on your podcast. There's suffering and there's pain. They don't want to feel that pain. They want to escape it from their relational world, from abuse, trauma, whatever it might be. And this could come from expectations and hopes they had for their life that weren't realistic or weren't Christ-centered, and those have been crushed. These are the foundational things along with unbelief and sin 
that drive a woman or entice a woman towards a fantasy world of pornography, a self-soothing habit of masturbation, an illicit uh, friendship with a woman, a Christian woman, a mentor, a counselor that becomes overly entangled. And it just feels so beautiful and like life. And so becoming sexual just seems like a natural step. So those sexual burdens are coming from broken hearts, mm-hmm. broken by the fall, sin, suffering coming against us. And so in this, sexual sin in one way is just another false comfort, a lie, a lie of a false comfort that women are going after mm-hmm. to try to soothe these things in their heart. And, and so if we flip that over to the burdens women are carrying They've had sin done against them. They've had violence done against them, mm-hmm. perhaps by other women. Uh, like I have women all the time that come in, and they they basically were preyed upon by a predatorial woman, and that ensnared mm-hmm. them in a very unholy attachment, perhaps an immoral relationship. But also men who have those desires and suffering and expectation, a desire for control, for respect, for validation, to not be stomped on again. They've got their own broken hearts. Like I've never met a man who was himself addicted to sexual promiscuity or pornography. And I don't really have a whole lot of experience with men who have um, preyed upon and have been uh, perpetrators against others. But based on what scripture says, I'm confident to say that these are men who have broken hearts, sinful hearts, and they've had their own expectations and desires and cravings for life and what they have done against others and against women, perhaps sexually, is an evil expression of a heart radically untethered to Christ or a heart that has become hardened against Christ. So those are big answers um, Mm -hmm. for a big question, but I'll just kind of summarize it this. This world has broken us. Our Mm. sin has broken us. And we've been complicit in this. And we move against people or away from people out of either a Christ dependence and centricity or a self-dependence and self-centricity. And so our desires, inner pain, expectations for life can all work together to bring us to Jesus or we let it lead us away from Jesus. And sexual sin becomes one of those ways we try to manage life on our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have found in my own ministry and just walking life with other women for the last 20 years in women's ministry, that what you have said to be really true in that I think in every case where a woman is just wrapped up in sexual sin of some kind, the truth is, she also was harmed and sexual sin was committed against her. And there's just this painful cycle that feels relentless that um, is perpetuated through childhood and adulthood and just the, the person, you know, hurt people, hurt people is such a common saying. And I think it's so true. So there's really so many sides to that conversation. Ellen, what is unique about sexual sin? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the, the best way um, that I think I like to answer that question, because that comes up here and there, is to understand the uniqueness of sexual sin. I think we need to understand the uniqueness of the gift, the good gift of sexuality that God has given to us, which 
I'm, I'm a single woman. I've not married. You're, you're a married woman. And we both have a sexuality. And in our context, there's a way to express that in a way that is holy and good and right. For me, it is abstaining. I don't have the context, which is a one, a one, one life union between a husband and a wife that is exclusive. And within that, that context is where sexual intimacy is meant to be expressed because of the unique signpost reality that sex within marriage is meant to have pointing us to the beautiful, eternal, exclusive relationship between our heavenly bridegroom, Jesus Christ, and his bride, the church. And that's kind of a a weird concept for people if you've never really been taught it. It was for me, to be honest, when I was first hearing about it, it's like, what? You know, Jesus and Christians and sex? Yeah. Our sexuality is meant to point beyond itself to that union with Jesus. And so a husband and a wife, you know, with their own, you know, brokenness and, you know, this isn't perfect, this side of heaven, but in, a, in an exclusive, selfless, pleasuring the other person that can produce life, that in a unique way points us to this eternal, exclusive relationship of purity and devotion between Jesus and his bride that we won't experience until we get there. So sexual sin, when I, when I have sex outside of that context or outside the heart of God, so a married couple is manipulating and demanding and coercing or using sexual behaviors that don't line up with scripture. When a single woman or, um, or a married person is getting involved sexually with somebody they're not married to, or when we're going, when we're having sex with ourselves, which is what masturbation is, or pornography, it's, it's like a fist in the face of God saying, no, I, I refuse, resist, and almost renounce that signpost reality. And we're not, we don't, we're not thinking that when we are engaging in it, but we are saying, no, Lord, I will do this my way on my mm. terms and especially for the person that has been discipled about biblical sexuality, I think there's even graver consequences against their own heart and conscience. So the, the uniqueness of that is the spiritual reality of sexuality going against God's design. And God's design is meant to bond people together. At, at the, even at the level of physiology, this isn't just emotions, at the level of our physiology, through sexual pleasure and things like orgasm, there actually is a bonding that happens between a husband and a wife, which is really beautiful, can happen between a husband and wife. So you take that outside the context, you can see some of the unique consequences of sexual sin. And this is, this is really prevalent right now with even young, with young and older couples that are really having a difficult time in their sexual relationship. And they're like, you know, we love each other. We love the Lord, but there's ongoing healing and like uh, redemption and maybe even retraining in their brains that need to happen so that sexual sin is not just walked away from, but that the residue of it in the past is brought under the healing goodness of Jesus. Mm. So, Yeah, that is helpful. (laughs) Sexual sin is different, and yet we live in a time and a place where I feel like we are being told by our cultural context Mm -hmm. that all kinds of sexual autonomy and freedom and, you know, discovery, um, choosing your own identity and your own orientation and your own activity, um, and trying on something new each day or each week or each season, 
Um, that is where we're told our freedom is found or mm-hmm. our identity, our joy. That's mm-hmm. where our best life will be yeah. lived. And so the culture is loud. Yeah. What do you, yeah. What do you think? Well, yeah. Well, I, you know, it just reminds me that we can give way to what well, we hear this in the culture as well, but, you know, even among believers at times of sex is everything. Mm. Like a life without sex is a tragedy. Mm. Like it is your life or sex is nothing. You know, it's just, it's just a, it's just a physical activity, Jen. You know, it's just it's just two bodies, Ellen. It's no big deal. And both of those are not true, and and they lead to damage. Yeah, that's so good. There are two ditches on the, each side of this conversation that we're having, where we elevate it to everything or we diminish it to nothing. Yeah. And so we want to pursue what's true and biblical mm-hmm. and God's good design. Mm. Amen. Speak now to the listener who is maybe having this realization this um, maybe sense of heaviness that she or he is involved in sexual sin. Maybe they don't even know it and they're sort of realizing it right now as we, as they hear what you say, like, oh, maybe I am participating in something that is less than God's good design. Or maybe she or he is, you know, fully aware that they are headlong into some, some sexual sin. Before we go any further, could you give just a perspective of hope? I mean, what do you say to the listener right now who's feeling like, I want to turn this off? Mm. because this is scary and hard and heavy and I'm not sure I want to go here. Mm. Yeah. Two, two words to kind of just guide my thoughts to either that brother or sister that's listening or, or somebody that's listening that, you know, this Jesus talk sounds kind of interesting, but it's really confusing because they really don't have a relationship with Jesus. So, so first of all, grace you know, Jesus's ministry was one of truth and uh, not wavering from the truth of the scriptures at all, but of deep grace and com- compassion because he knows. Like he came to heal the brokenhearted and to set sin slaves free. And he's passionate about that. He's going to do that. He's going to complete his purposes. And so, so first just grace for you that you have a savior either that you've already called on or perhaps you have yet to call on, who is full of mercy for you. <clears throat> but then the second, the second word is, is a warning, and that is to not let this go on any longer in the dark hmm. or hiding or, or maybe you're dabbling. You're dabbling with sin. You're considering an affair with somebody or you're in a messy relationship that's become kind of romantic and maybe even sexual or you're 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 just starting to dive into pornography and other stuff and you know it's not controlling you full out yet grace and mercy lead you out of the darkness to reach out to somebody for help don't mm-hmm. let this stay in the dark reach out for help and your first step might be just reaching out in the light to Jesus saying Jesus I want this, but I don't want it. I want this, but I know I shouldn't want it. Change my desires. Help me to know what the first step is. But I I just have to also say, again, that there is a warning in this, is that sin and sexual sin will take you further than you ever want to go. It will cost you more than you ever dreamed it will cost you. But the kindness of God, the grace of Jesus can bring a healing and a freedom and a repentance to you that is beyond what you can imagine right now. But the first step is you must get out of the dark 
reach out for help, ask somebody to help you, ask somebody to help you find someone that can help you for the more, for the more long-term, but don't give up. Don't mm. resign yourself to this. It's not worth it. Yeah. Two words, grace and warning. That's so good. That's so helpful. There is immeasurable grace that will meet you where you're at, but also mm-hmm. heed the warning and do yes. flee yes. from this trap. Yes. How can churches do better? I mean, how can the average church goer, church member, the woman in Bible study who's with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're in a community together. Um, how can we serve each other better? And how can mm-hmm. leaders of that Bible study or leaders of that church mm-hmm. do better so that women don't feel so tempted to stay in the dark? Yeah, I love this question, Jen. It's kind of like, it's one of my passions in my role. So I would even reframe it a bit. Let's consider not, not necessarily how to do better, but how do we need to have this more intentionally on our gospel grid and our discipleship and teaching menu? So you mentioned women's Bible study. So that's that's a, a passion of mine too. So I'm just going to go with that context. So Bible study leaders, small group leaders, those that are teaching the word, are you bringing up sexuality related issues? Are you naming sexual related sins that women fall into? And uh, you know, my experience has been that very well-trained, theologically deep, compassionate women, when it comes to these topics, they don't, they're, they're shy about mm. touching them or they feel ill-equipped. And, and I get that. Like I felt that when I came, came into this ministry and I learned as I went, but you don't need to work at a ministry like Harvest or have a sexuality degree. You do, we just need to understand that sin really is that bad. It, it, it impacts us at every level, including this, and that, and that the Bible has answers. And so are we bringing it up? Are we naming these things so that the woman in your church who is wrestling with pornography or the woman in your church who is perhaps just a step or two away from an affair or whatever it might be, that based on how you're teaching the word and the examples you're using, she would see herself being called into the light and comforted to know, okay, this community of women, they're not shy to talk about this. Like they're Mm -hmm. aware that we're all struggling out here or that many of us are struggling out here. And so I I think that's a part of it. And I, the last thing I'll say, Jen, and yeah, I'd love to hear anything you'd add to this as a, as a leader yourself is leaders. We need to lead out in our repentance and our humility and our testimonies, which doesn't mean that we use our teaching opportunities as an open mic to tell all of our worst secrets. But do the women around us know that we wrestle, we've wrestled with temptations, that maybe we've wrestled in our thought lives, that perhaps we have wrestled ourselves in, in sin of a sexual nature? Now, this, this takes wisdom and dignity, but it also takes, I think, courageous humility to say, you know what? I need Jesus in this area too. So like, as I mentioned, my struggles in the past, and this can still rise up, but it's nothing I'm like, it's not a sin I give way to, but that relational idolatry, the toxicity of codependency was something I was so ashamed about. And now the Lord has, has uses that as a platform for me to speak about all these other issues. I never would have dreamed. I would even be ta- naming those things on a podcast like this. So leaders, do your women know that you are a child of the Lord 
a daughter of God that has needed radical redemption in every area of life as well. Mm. How can you bring that out to women to woo them towards Christ? Yeah, I think as leaders, we have to ask ourselves the hard question of, do we really believe the gospel? Do Mm. I really believe what I say I believe? Because if I do, then I'm willing to be vulnerable and transparent because Mm. I genuinely believe that Jesus blood covers my sin yes. and that he has reconciled me to the father. Yes. And so I, I really do appreciate and could not agree more your point that are we just talking about these things? Have, have we um, created an environment where women feel the freedom and the grace to just bring these things to the surface? Or are there, are there things that are taboo that we just would never um, even whisper in Bible study? And so yeah. I love that exhortation. And it, it even makes me think as, you know, I have daughters who are ages 15 and up um, this is true for parenting as well. Are yes. we talking about this around the dinner table? Are we willing, um, as my husband and I, are we willing to be open and transparent with our kids and confess mm-hmm. the things that have been a um, stumbling block to us and just be real about the rescue mm. and redemption of the Lord mm. who is there and who is our help in times of trouble? Yeah. So that's a good word. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll just tag on to that, that I think this is a way we love people. Mm. You know, we love people by speaking the truth to them with the love, compassion of Christ. And that means how do we grow in speaking the truth in in all areas? Uh, and, and let me just say this again. That doesn't mean that you have to talk about sex or sexual sin every time that you teach. But <laughs> if it's never coming up, mm. then the the women and maybe the men too, but the women that are struggling and bound up in this, it, it just commu- the silence communicates that something's really abnormally wrong with me that I'm a woman struggling with this and I guess mm-hmm. the gospel doesn't I guess the gospel doesn't really apply to this area because it's never being talked about yeah and we love by speaking the truth yeah we love by speaking truth that is so good well you have mentioned a couple times um, just the idea of toxic relationships mm-hmm. and I know that one of your most recent books is called Toxic Relationships Taking Refuge in Christ and you published that last year. So I haven't read the book yet, but I'm so intrigued by the title because I do feel like the idea that someone is toxic or relationships can be toxic is really prevalent right now. You know, I hear my high schoolers say it all the time or I see it on social media, you know, that person's toxic. This is toxic, that's toxic. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us, you know, what that means? What what really is toxic, Ellen? Yeah. Well, first of all, if you don't have a copy of it, let me know. I'll send one to you. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you, you're right. I mean, the idea of toxic relationships and toxic people has become, like, the, that's kind of a mainstream word now. And a lot of times it's referring, I think, even to outright abusive relationships. Uh, the title of my devotional, it's a 31-day devotional, um, it really is about codependency. And the word toxic there, I think the simplest simplest definition we might refer to something that's toxic is that it has toxins. It's polluted. Like mm. something is there that shouldn't shouldn't be there. And so my devotional book, which, yeah, comes out of some of my own story and definitely a lot of my ministry, is that these are relationships that have been polluted by um, – a unholy dependency upon a person, an unholy attachment to a person or a relational dynamic. And that could be in a marriage, it could be in a parenting relationship, a friendship, or even like a helping relationship. There's kind of four four case studies in the book, and one is a pastor and a congregant. So the main idea is um, 
looking at how do we crave, go back to those desires, pain, and expectations. How do we crave that somebody be a refuge to me, my savior, my Messiah, my value, my identity giver, in a way that it needs to only be placed on Christ. Hmm. So the, the toxin there is idolatry. It's Jesus has been effectively displaced as Lord, and we are allowing a person or a relationship to have a lordship over our lives. That sounds like it could be a really healing book. I like that you set it up as a devotional to be done every day for a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds really valuable. And like something that would speak to so many of these different areas of sexual sin or just friendships in general, which are hard too, you know, (laughs) just in this broken world. Um, Relationships are hard. So that sounds like a helpful resource. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, sexual brokenness is almost always attached to relational brokenness. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely see that across the boards in my relationship with women is whether if it's in a same sex relationship or opposite, or just even with like a pornography and sex with self, that usually there has been relational pain that Mm -hmm. has been attached to attached to this. And in in those broken places, if we're not turning to Christ for healing and cleansing, we're going to seek it elsewhere. I mean, scripture says that. It basically promises that to us to find our refuge only in Christ because we're created to have refuge and we'll try to find it somewhere, but it needs to be in Jesus. Yeah. Well, you have another book that's coming out later this year that I have read and it's called Jesus and Your Unwanted Journey wives finding comfort after sexual betrayal. And I'm so grateful for this book because of course, being in women's ministry, I have conversations all the time with women, with wives who have been betrayed. So, and it's a workbook, which is really great. I think for group study, because that kind of gives those leaders that launching pad for how to have these conversations, how to go there. But can you talk to us a little bit about the book? What hope do wives have after they've been betrayed? Yeah, thanks, Jen. I I appreciate you even just kind of highlighting this. Uh, Yeah, this will be our next women's ministry resource, hopefully to launch in July or August. It'll be a free digital download from the Harvest USA website, a participant guide and a comprehensive leader's guide with notes. And the, the title really explains my heart behind it, is that this is an unwanted journey, but you are not in it alone. Jesus is with you. And there is comfort to find in Christ after the, after the disclosure of it. You know, for some women, that sexual betrayal may, may continue on. And so my, my heart in this book is because there are, you know, books out for wives that have suffered this. Um, and, and as we've already talked about, women themselves, wives themselves are betraying marriage mm-hmm. vows. So mm-hmm. this isn't only on husbands, but my ministry has been to wives is that I wanted to provide a resource that would provide a wife a 10-session path of encouragement and hope and practical discipleship that she can walk on as a way to receive from God everything God has for her, regardless of where her husband is at. Now, of course, Mm -hmm. the hope and the the desperate cry is that a husband is going to turn from his sin. But what if he is slow in repenting or resistant to repenting? I wanted to write a workbook that there isn't one sentence, I hope, that a wife would say, well, this isn't true for me because my husband is still in sin. No, Mm -hmm. all the good purposes that God has for a hurting wife in this situation, 
he can give to her. Restoration of a marriage, rebuilding of trust, that's absolutely dependent on a husband's repentance. But there is healing and comfort for a wife that Christ has to give her. And that's what this workbook is hopefully going to provide for wives of whatever age and whatever situation. Yeah. I thank God that that is true, that our healing and peace and the care that the Lord has for us is not dependent on anybody else, but that is between us and our Lord, which is great. But as you say, obviously reconciliation, restoration is dependent on the other person, Mm -hmm. um, but we can even now receive some healing from the Lord, um, regardless of the other person. Could you speak really briefly to the wife who has recently understood that she has been betrayed. You know, the wife who has discovered pornography on the computer or a text message between her husband and another woman or man. I mean, there's um, a long list of possibilities out there, but the woman that's listening who has just recently found out that she has been betrayed, what would be some first steps for her moving forward? Yeah. Well, first I would just say, I'm so sorry that this is your situation. This is not, I'm just going to speak to that wife, Jen. This is not your fault. You did not, you can't cause your husband to sin. He chose this. Um, It is not your fault. And the Lord, the Lord has compassion and hope for you. So um, one, one thing is that many couples, I believe, and many wives can feel this in this situation, uh, something that I don't think is true, that this should be kept secret. Mm. And I don't know where the idea came that, Couples should have so many secrets from other people. Like I push against that. There are sacred confidences within marriage, but a lot of it needs to be other people helping you in your marriage. So for you, sister, if this is your situation, your first step is to ask God to give you the courage to reach out for help. And this could be, of course, confronting your husband and going to him. This is a part of even God's design in marriage that a husband and a wife would be used to rescue them, each other from sin. So to confront your husband, if that feels really unsafe to you, then you loving your husband is actually going to be to go outside the marriage to a trusted, spiritually mature person, a woman, a leader in your church, and you let them you let them know what's happening and ask them for your help. And for the woman that's saying, I can't do that. That's going to expose my husband. Mm. No, you need to bring these things into the light. And if your husband is resisting, if this is if he is unsafe for you, you must reach outside the marriage for help. That's the first the first step. Yeah. That is so good. I mean, I I wanted to ask you, you know, how can the church do better or how have we gotten this wrong in the past? But I I feel like in your answer, you have already sort of answered that question because I I do think in many contexts, um, the local church has maybe not been a safe place for women to go to say, this is what's going on. But I do see more and more resources, books, ministries, voices like your own Mm -hmm. that are telling the the church what is true. And that is that our marriages do need the help and the assistance and the light of other people coming alongside of us. And Mm -hmm. women do need to have the courage and the freedom and the boldness to seek help when it's needed and that it's, Mm -hmm. it's not their fault. And they do need trusted, godly leaders to come alongside them. And um, I just think that's key to so many things in our local churches. And so I really appreciate yes. 
that voice and that in your response and that. Any other thoughts for just this specific area of coming alongside couples um, in need, women who are hurting, just some final thoughts on how we can do well as the body of Christ to seek restoration and healing mm. in this area? Yeah. Again, I, I just so love and appreciate you bringing this up, Jen. So just two thoughts that come to mind. And first is I want to go back to what you said about shame that church leaders can have that they're struggling themselves. So in our women's ministry context of local churches, so many women's ministry leaders, they are facing this or mm. they have faced it. So they're hesitant to bring it up, maybe because of their own shame. Um, but this is another area that, you know, so for anybody on that's listening if you have women in a, if you have women in your church that are in a Bible study, or women in your church, statistics would say that at least half of those women have or are now in the midst of a marriage that's dealing with these things. So it's there, and we need to be naming this and inviting mm-hmm. women to let them know that the Lord loves them so much; He has care for them, and it's on it's it's a responsibility, I believe, on us that have leadership to be helping people come forward. And that leads to the second thought, Jen, and that is that both spouses need radical care when sexual betrayal is exposed. I I actually just wrote a blog on this for our ministry, is oftentimes, and we'll we'll say the situation, and I think most of the time when the, the husband is exposed or is caught, or maybe he confesses that he has a porn addiction, or he's been a serial adulterer, it seems that 90% of the energy and resources start swirling and orbiting around that husband. we got to help this guy. And that's great. But the wife is left over here, missed, unknown. And maybe even a well-meaning pastor might say, I know this is hard for you. I'll try to connect you up with a woman in our church. But no, this needs to be all in wraparound care for the husband and his repentance and the woman and the wife in the trauma mm. and pain that this brings, not not to mention if there's children who may be impacted as well, even if they're little and they nothing is verbally told them, which would be appropriate to you know keep it from a young child, but they're they're sensing something's off with mommy and daddy. So actually, I would say I would plead with church leaders if you're going to minister to men that are dealing with sexual integrity struggles you must also be addressing their wives mm-hmm. e- equally, mm-hmm. uh, please. And use my resource. We are, we are a ministry that helps to equip churches to do this. So reach out to Harvest. We'll help equip you. But please have both husband and wife in view. Wow. Well, that is really helpful. Thank you, Ellen. That I, I really appreciate that exhortation, even taking it to heart personally right now as I think about my own local context and hope that the listener is as well. Um, well, thank you for the wisdom that you have shared with us. Where can listeners find you, your books, your resources? Where can they follow up? Yeah, uh, mainly at our the website for Harvest USA, which is harvestusa, one word, dot org. Um, my social media presence is pretty minimal, um, but you can find me on Facebook at Ellen, Ellen Mary Dykus. Um, I usually use that just to post, hopefully, spiritually encouraging things for people. Uh, but primarily our website, harvestusa.org. Okay, great. Well, I will be linking your website and your, some of these resources that we've talked about in the show notes so listeners can go right there. 
Thank you so much, Ellen. And thank you for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here.